Welcome to This Is Comp, a series of Discord and Rhyme minisodes where we crawl through various artist compilations song by song. I'm Ben Marlin, and I'm here with Rich Bunnell and Chris Willie Williams. This episode, we're finishing up the 1997 edition of the New Age compilation Pure Moods with tracks 13 through 17. The first track is by Angelo Badalamenti, and I'm sure I've pronounced that wrong. Badalamenti. Badalamenti, thank you. Um, see, I was trying to be respectful, and it just it didn't work that way. Uh, <laughs> We've mispronounced thought- any number of names on Pure Moods already. So yeah, okay. I, yeah, I think I mentioned that now that we're not just exclusively dealing with American Garage Rock. <laughs> <laughs> like Johnny Garage Boy and, and the Garages. The Vipers, the Destroyers. All right, and his song is the theme from Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me. So we got asked during the questions episode, what piece of music have you heard more than any other? This is really high up there for me. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just various TV themes. This one, The Sopranos one, certainly. Cheers. Yeah, I mean, the little Uh, Breaking Bad theme is probably up there for me. (laughs) Yeah, I think at this point for me, it is the uh, theme to Curious George. (laughs) (laughs) The low point of Dr. John's otherwise illustrious career. the the film right it's not the it is the but this is the theme to the show it's the same thing oh i didn't know that yeah oh am i the only one with the twin peaks knowledge here today i yeah i've never seen it okay well i'll fill in for that Angelo Badalamenti grew up in Brooklyn, part of a very musically-leaning Sicilian-American family. He began composing on the piano at 10, graduated from the Manhattan School of Music with an MA, and started his career writing songs under the alias Andy Badal, or Andy Badale, uh, I think, I believe so, including songs for musicals, crime movies, and even Nina Simone. That's pretty cool. Uh, he's most known for his work with David Lynch, uh, including the one you just heard, beginning when Lynch brought him in as Isabella Rossellini's vocal coach for the movie Blue Velvet in 1986, and then just let him do the whole score, and the partnership just continues to this day. Huh. Yeah. Badalamenti's other scores for Lynch include Wild at Heart, The Straight Story, Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway, and perhaps most famously here, the ABC series Twin Peaks, where his score is so monolithic, repetitive, and just ever-present that it's practically one of the characters. It's it just it's just in your face constantly, and it's great. Uh, the version here is officially from the Fire Walk With Me, the 1992 cinematic follow-up to the original series that was 
widely panned by critics, but it's just a longer version of the theme you hear at the beginning of every episode, so it's it, which is great. <laughs> Bottle MNT is famous for his use of suspended chords, and uh, which you can hear in the keyboard line on this song. And um, so suspended chords lack either a major or minor tonality. It's lacking the third. So they don't sound either sad or happy, just kind of there. Uh, and instead, they have kind of this eerie dissonance that kind of fits the series Twin Peaks perfectly. And like that, that fits into the theme. Like what I love about it is much like the show, it seems really laid back and sedate at first until you gradually uncover the darkness and strangeness underneath and the more times you hear it the the more it starts to send like this really uneasy chill down your spine in fact that literally just happened i actually just got a chill down my spine so wow this song is awesome Anyway, uh, the balancing act of a good TV theme is that you hear them dozens and dozens of times, and a peppy earworm kind of runs the risk of irritating the listener, which eventually happened to me with the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt theme, as catchy uh. as it is. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I... Unbreakable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in your head now, too. Uh, this one feels like an organic part of the show, as much a part of the dreary, surreal Northwest landscape as the Great Northern Hotel. Uh, but anyway, uh, what do you guys think? I've, I've seen the show, but neither of you have, right? Correct. I Yes, as mentioned, I have never watched Twin Peaks, in spite of the fact that my failure to do so may cause Rich's demise, like if the audience <laughs> doesn't applaud to revive Tinkerbell. At, at this point in my life, it's true. Yeah, at this point in my life, I've accepted that I'm unlikely to ever watch it since my tolerance for intentionally abstruse stories has diminished with my patience. I kind of enjoy this minimal theme, um, not as much as the other Twin Peaks related music I've heard, and I could do without the synthesized string section that makes it sound as cheap as the score from Law and Order SVU. <laughs> but I do it gets under it gets under your skin. It does. I like I like the gentle repeating keyboard hook and I I didn't know anything about the suspended chords, but I think now that I know about them and I can think about them, that's what's effective. And I also like the bouncy lightly tremoloed bang bang topping which I'm pretty sure is also a synthesizer made to sound sort of like a guitar. Oh, yeah, it's an emulator, too. Ah, okay. Yeah, specifically, doing kind of like a twangy keyboard sound, twangy bass sound. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this song, it's it's nice. It's not one of my favorites on here, but I, I kind of like it. Ben? <laughs> I, I'm not sure what to make of this type of music. I, I've been listening to these five songs in preparation, and I'm just I'm struggling with it. Um, this one is pretty, uh, like Will, I'm turned off by the synthesizer tone. I think that if you're going to be pretty and if you're just going for pretty, there's prettier ways to do it than by playing a computer. <laughs> uh, Mike, De Mike DeFabio would probably disagree and, and he knows his stuff, but I'm sticking to my guns here. It is creepy, which I like, but I might only think that because I know that Twin Peaks was a creepy show. Otherwise, I might not get that feeling from it. But I'm not blown away by it. Uh, it. Like a lot of the songs on this compilation that I've heard, it's just kind of there. Uh, it could be that, that, like Will, I've also never watched Twin Peaks. Sorry, Rich. Oh, it's uh, okay. So maybe I'm... <laughs> Shame so on you for I'm not missing. having experienced a piece of pop culture, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the modern internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that I'm missing some nuance, like 
was this the melody that Laura Palmer was humming right before she was killed? Spoiler. Or, no, that you know what, that you was just she kidding. killed. Just kidding. You learn that in the first scene of the of the show. Okay, so she was killed. I, I yeah. don't even know. I just know that there's a Laura Palmer, and I think she died, and that's the whole shtick. The Twin Peaks fans um, listening to us are, like, pulling their hair out, like... <laughs> I will add that Angelo, bada-bing, bada-boom, <laughs> uh, did do a beautiful track with David Bowie. Uh, it's an obscure one. It's uh, for a, a tribute album, but it's a take on George Gershwin's song, A Foggy Day in London Town. It's fully orchestrated, so Badalamenti orchestrated, Bowie sang, it's hushed and lovely. So he is obviously the real deal. I'm just, I'm not sure that that's obvious from this track. So like a lot of TV music, uh, I, well, it's uh, this and the recurring and the recurring light motifs in Twin Peaks, like a, they, like I said, they kind of get under your skin, like hearing them over and over and over again is kind of like... It's, it's kind of part of the experience of watching this show and there's kind of like a soap operaist to like how he deploys the music in the show and honestly mm. like kind of a video gaminess like you know how like part of video game music is also that you have to that you have to hear it over and over again so there has right. to be like a yeah so it's kind of tough to voice the appeal of it in like a, in a context like this like i get your guys's issues with it but like i, I promise once you hear it like uh, I don't know, somewhere in the area of 70 times, uh, <laughs> it'll start to grow on you. <laughs> I, I believe it. I also want to note that Badalamenti did the scores for Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and C- National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty disparate. Yeah, so, that's de- so that second one is definitely a score I've heard at least like 30 or 40 times. Yeah. <laughs> And also, I just want to say, Badalamenti also did the music for the 2017 miniseries Twin Peaks: The Return, uh, a series that was somewhat divisive, but in my mind was one of the most daring, hilarious, and frustrating in the best way possible shows uh, in the peak TV era, where you have like a million billion choices. So, uh, go Twin Peaks! <laughs> All right. Um. So. So our next track is the song Makambo by Jeffrey Oryema. So Jeffrey Oryema was born in Uganda in 1953, when horrible dictator Idi Amin declared himself president of Uganda following a 1971 military coup. Jeffrey's father, Aranayo Wilson, became part of Idi Amin's cabinet as the Minister of Water and Resources. 
Wilson was murdered in 1977, and Orgimo was smuggled out of Uganda to Kenya, birthplace of Barack Obama, in the trunk of a car. <laughs> Jesus. Starting his, starting his creative life as a playwright, Oryema eventually became better known as a musician after he moved to Paris. His unique style, merging African music with influences from Western artists like the Rolling Stones, caught the attention of Peter Gabriel, who signed Oryema to his label Real World. Until things went haywire when that jerk puck picked his nose and then stuck it in the peanut butter. Sorry, little joke there for real world <laughs> fans like myself. And I, I let Will, I liked your callback to uh, the Nuggets, especially the Amboy Dukes. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> anyway, Oriyama's 1990 debut album, Exile, was produced by Brian Eno, and that's where this song hails from. I enjoy it quite a lot. Eno's talent for making a mix sound full without actually including much instrumentation highlights Oriyama's voice and mournful-sounding melody. I haven't been able to locate a translation of the lyrics that seems realistically accurate, but it seems to be about African political unrest and begging the killing to stop. Yeah, basically, it's it's just a plea for peace. Or not just yeah, a, not just a plea plea for peace, but there aren't very many lyrics, but they're very plaintive. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. all he is saying. That's all yeah. he is saying. Yeah, it's it's hardly a message that seems to fit with the laid back, relaxing atmosphere of the rest of Pure Moods. But I imagine its compilers focus more on the the pensive, becalmed Eno production and Orgima's beautiful melody. Yeah, is that synthesizer in the background? There's kind of like a wash of synthesizers I, or something going on, like in the back of this song that I like a lot. Probably, I I can't say I didn't uh, particularly notice one, but knowing you know, it's probably there. Yeah, I would say when we first got the idea to do pure moods, like kind of on a whim, like there was kind of like an ironic '90s kidness to it, like hey, let's do pure moods and make fun of it. But it's actually introduced me to a few new artists that I want to get into, which I wasn't really expecting. So it's conquered me. Uh, this is one. This yeah. is, uh, Jeffrey Oriema is one of them. I actually, yeah, I want to hear this album and the one that came after it. I, I was looking him up. Um, I, I I fully admit that the Peter Gabriel and Eno connection helps. Like, there's a really easy way into my heart sometimes. <laughs> but this is a yeah, this is a gorgeous song, Ben. Yeah, I mean, it's really pretty. Everything on this compilation is on some scale of prettiness, and this is up there. It's atmospheric. Uh, unlike the last one, it mostly uses all real instruments. Uh, he sings it very nicely. So the song checks a lot of boxes, but it doesn't <laughs> go anywhere. And I'm sort of resentful that most songwriters have to come up with a verse melody, a chorus melody, a bridge melody, words for all of it. And then on this type of music, the composer just has one idea and just, just plunks it out over and over and over again. I'd like to hear the whole album. I mean, you know, it's representing a different cultural tradition. Like, it's a different type of songwriting. Like, I, 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 I kind of like yeah. to hear the full context, honestly. Yeah, something. Uh, it's in that respect. It's sort of like the band Tenari Win, which is also a band that merges traditional African music with Western influences. Like Tunde Adabempe from TV on the radio guests on one of their albums. And I wish I could remember the name of it because it's phenomenal. So the next track is by Mark Isham, and it's called My Wife with Champagne Shoulders. (laughs) 
Mark Isham is a trumpeter who is most well known as a composer of film scores. He composed the scores for the movies Point Break and Crash, among others. He also Crash. composed the theme. Which one? The <laughs> the horrible best picture one or the <laughs> horrible NC seventeen one. one about <laughs> about someone people who's who are like aroused by yeah yeah. I you know what I'm not sure the surprise best picture winner. <laughs> Okay. About how racism okay. is bad. That's the one. He, yeah. He also composed the theme to the U.S. Army's Army Strong campaign, which I can't remember, unlike Be All You Can Be, uh, which I believe was composed by Jake Holmes, who also wrote Dazed and Confused, which ended up on the first Led Zeppelin album. Anyway, Mark Isham might be most familiar to music nerds, or at least to the three of us, uh, as the horn player on XTC's 1989 album Oranges and Lemons. Really? Yeah, he plays on Merely a Man. He does the trumpet solo on that one. Uh, I assume that's him on Miniature Sun, the worst song on the album. Great job. <laughs> um, uh, what other songs Mark. have horns on that album? I saw the list on Wikipedia, and it was like the four that I can never remember how they go. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, pretty good album. Yeah. Uh, as for the song, Rich, can you remind me of your take on songs that are five minutes long? Well, I would say that statistically, five-minute-long songs are more likely to be dull than other ones because they're too long to be a good pop song, too short to be a good epic, like too compact. But I mean, that isn't—that's not like a categorical rule. Like there are a lot of great five-minute songs. I've heard Stephen Merritt say, "I have never th- <laughs> argued with somebody who said a song is too long." <laughs> Um, so this song is pretty, pretty boring. Um, (laughs) no, it it is actually pretty too. Um, all these songs are pretty, but they are not ambitious and I feel like they should strive for more. I have a theory that the slower a piece of music gets, the duller it gets. Like there's room for soft music. There's room for sappy music, but slow can just be excruciating. Um, and to me, it, it can also be a distraction from a lack of actual ideas like when there's a beat, it offers some indication that the composer has, has come up with a structure and maybe even a melody. Without a beat, it just sounds like someone plucking at a guitar and maybe humming along with it and searching in vain for inspiration. And I can do that. And that means it's probably not very inspired. Huh. This isn't to say that every <laughs> song should be the Macarena, but I disagree. <laughs> But the longer a song goes between beats, and in this case it's five minutes, uh, the <laughs> less likely I am to enjoy it. Well, uh, well, I just want to note that as a composer, his uh, well, he has a really long list of credits, and they include Kiss the Girls, The Net, Life as a House, Reservation Road, October Sky, uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. So that's oh. a, a, anyway, Which my point one? is that like <laughs> the, Nic- the Nick Cage one. Oh, the, that's, ver- by, that's by, right. Ver- yeah, the Werner Herzog one. Yeah, that's the one of my the favorite crazy movies. Crazy one, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I mentioned a lot of Werner Herzog movies on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, I, I, I don't. I definitely don't like this song. But Mark Isham is a true journeyman, and I respect that at least. Otherwise, it kind of just sounds like an extended <laughs> version of the DreamWorks theme with like the plucky guitar and like <laughs> swel- swelling strings. But that isn't that's 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 not Mark Isham. I looked it up, and John Williams did that one. <laughs> like everything. <laughs> All right, sixteen semicolons. 
I'm sorry, this song was so unremarkable that my cat walked across the keyboard here and I just left it. (laughs) As far as things beginning with the words, my wife, go, my wife with champagne shoulders is not as irritating as the office hacks Borat impression, but it's nowhere close to Robin Hitchcock's surreal, catchy as hell, my wife and my dead wife. I thought of that too. Off the essential album, Fegmania. And that's pretty much all I got to say about this generic filler. <laughs> or the Who is My Wife. Yes, good thinking too. Basically, the way I feel about this is just, like, I, I listed that, like, long list of just generic Hollywood movies that you've forgotten about. And there has to be somebody who is, like, the person who writes the score for all of those movies. And I feel like that's just the exam, the example of that, that got onto this compilation. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to the song, the promise by Michael Nyman. this one yeah this is my favorite of the five That was uh, The Promise by Michael Nyman. He is one of those musicians who's seemingly done it all. He was born in 1944 and accepted into Britain's Royal Academy of Music in 1961. And Nyman has done everything from composing operas to recording with rock bands like the Flying Lizards, who are famous for their god-awful cover of Money, That's What I Want. Oh, right. (laughs) It's, yeah. (laughs) He's credited with oh, being the, what's the that? Japanese one. Yeah, it's the one that's in The Wedding Singer. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> he's, he's credited with being the gentleman who first coined the term minimalism to describe music. And he's written a book about experimental music, John Cage in particular, creatively called Experimental Music, Cage and Beyond. <laughs> and, and beyond. <laughs> And as with most of the participants in Pure Moods, yeah, Michael Nyman has done a little film scoring. (laughs) This piece, whose uh, alternate title is The Heart Asks Pleasure First, is from The Piano, the Oscar-winning film that's evidently about Harvey Keitel showing off his wang. (laughs) <laughs> it does sound like part of a film score, but that's no criticism because it totally holds up on its own. It's not exactly as minimal as someone like Philip Glass or Harold Budd might approach the project. And it's 
just a bit less minimal than, say, 433 by his hero, John Cage. But it's captivating and almost hypnotic as can be. Nyman's an expert, clearly, at tickling the ivories and also playing the piano. But the track sound doesn't demand attention. (laughs) It, It earns it through composition that's as solidly supportive yet non-distracting as a good sex swing. The Promise is among my favorites on this compilation. Yeah, this one feels like a real song. Uh, It is very pretty, as opposed to just pretty like all the other songs. It's got energy. It's got urgency. You could listen to The Promise uh, while operating heavy equipment, but that's only if you're licensed to. Listening to The Promise does not give you the ability to operate heavy equipment. (laughs) What are you on about, Penn? (laughs) <laughs> per the Discord and Ron legal department, we need to cover our butts because we've been sued too many times. Um, I could do without the strings on the track. I don't think the piano needs any accompaniment, but they don't distract. It's a very good song. Well, I just want to say that the piano is a really, really great movie, but I would say that. But uh, anyway, my weird... I don't know. I like i like this song, but my weird, uh, my weird six degrees of running with Michael Nyman is that... Uh, he collaborated with director Peter Greenaway a lot, uh, who did The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover, and other like surreal movies. Uh, and his piece, Chasing Sheep is Best Left to Shepherds, from the movie The Draftman's Contract, is the basis for the very excellent 2013 Pet Shop Boys song, Love is a Bourgeois Construct. I so, didn't understand anything in that sentence. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Will got it. I got it. It's from the, the album Electric, which is yeah. a... a almost surprisingly good late period Pet Shop Boys album. So now we're moving on to the last track, Lily Was Here by David Stewart and Candy Dulfer. Pretty sure this is what was playing when the when it was saying like send your ten easy payments and blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, I never so I've never heard of Pure Moods. I don't remember commercials for it. I don't. Why are you both to... on these episodes? <laughs> I have to direct my I have to direct my hateful spleen somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Lily was here. Was released November nineteen eighty nine as part of David A. Stewart's soundtrack to the Dutch film De Cassier. Uh, which is on YouTube, and no, unlike Dead Again in the Dream Theater episode, I didn't watch the whole movie. I don't subject myself to that kind of thing for <laughs> the sake of these comp episodes. <laughs> yeah. But it's there. But it's there if you're interested. It looks it looks pretty good. Uh, so this song topped the charts in the Netherlands and was then released internationally, where it hit number eleven on the U.S. Hot 100. Pretty impressive, and, and it peaked beneath such chart smashes as Rush Rush by Paula Abdul, Unbelievable by EMF, Right Here Right Now by Jesus Jones, <laughs> and I Want to Sex You Up by Color Me Bad. 
What Number a time 11. to be alive. <laughs> the wow. typo-ridden color me bad. <laughs> God, number 12 must have been so mad. <laughs> Dave Stewart is the half of Eurythmics who isn't any Linux, but did write Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers Don't Come Around Here No More, which I like more than any Eurythmic song. So <laughs> I gotta say, kids got talent. Uh, so, the song is an instrumental duet between Stuart on guitar and Dutch saxophonist Candy Dolfer, who was just 18 years old and actually hadn't even released any music yet. Uh, but her 1990 debut LP was called Saxuality, which I like. <laughs> I haven't that heard is, the album, though. That is both the best and the worst title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she also later frequently collaborated with Prince on tour. She's, you can actually see her playing saxophone in the Party Man video from the Batman soundtrack. So, uh, Lily Was Here was improvised as a call and response between Stuart and Dolfer, and then mixed in less than 10 minutes, so the song took about 15 minutes to make start to finish. Uh, I have to say that compositionally, I'm not as shocked and surprised by that as, like, <laughs> Pete Townsend running home and smashing out Pinball Wizard to please, like, a weird record executive. <laughs> uh, but, but it's not an awful way to end the comp, uh, in my humble opinion. It's one of those songs that... Sounds a lot cheesier on the radio and at the end of the Pure Moods commercial than as part of a movie. Like, I, I watched enough of Dicassier to see, like, to hear the song as part of the opening montage, and it works there. I had no idea that it actually got to number 11 alongside other <laughs> quintessential tracks from that era. What, what was the year that this was released again? I'm sorry, I missed... It was released in 1989, but it took a while to become a hit in the U.S. Uh, it became a hit in 1991 here. Okay. Because this is the only song we're including on this episode that I'm certain I've heard before. With Stewart's mechanized rhythm section and clean guitar, it's of a piece with Jan Hammer's Miami Vice track that we heard last episode as something that's definitively quintessentially a genuine 80s relic and i like it it, <laughs> it takes some doing to include a tenor saxophone in a song without making it unreasonably irritating <laughs> but candy dolfer manages to not only make the sax pleasant but memorable lily was here contains one of the most recognizable in a positive way sax parts i've ever heard right up there with jerry rafferty's baker street the difference here is that it's not just the chorus that's smoothly immersive, but the whole song. It's a great way to go out of this album, and not just because it means we're finally free of this thing. <laughs> yeah, like the verse, yeah, the verses of Baker Street always feel like, you know, the song is taking a stroll and going out for groceries or something in between the choruses. I'm glad you like it so much, Will. Uh, it's fine. The, the call and response thing is cute. Uh, they both play enough to suggest that they have talent, even though not a ton of it is showing here. Candy Dolfer does have a dreamy saxophone tone. I like that. And the melody has an internal logic to it. In the video, uh, which I saw it on YouTube, Dave Stewart is wearing shades and wielding his axe like a guitar god, which, no. Like, okay, <laughs> you can pick out three notes on your acoustic guitar over and over, but... You're not friggin' Keith Richards here. Um, and if that's not Phil Collins on drums, Phil should sue whoever is playing drums. Um, so it's fine, but they are shooting so low. Like, is this why they got into music to create something so tiny? 
Is this why Candy Dolfer's mom and dad bought her her first saxophone? I guarantee you that they are deeply disappointed in her over the song Lily Was Here to this, to this day. <laughs> I think that's true, Ben. I think that's probably true. Uh, by the way, um, number 12 is Summertime by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. And oh. I'm just going to keep going because look at this murderer's row. Number 13 was Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn. Number 14 was Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Oh, excuse me. Open parentheses, everything I do, close parentheses, I do it for you, by Brian Adams. And number 15 was More Than Words by Extreme. Like, that was loud. I know all of those songs. All of the songs, but Lily Was Here, have held up, for either, whether good or bad, like, people still know them. <laughs> that's, no, it's impressive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to list the rest of the Hot 100 now. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to remember if, if I had helped Brian Adams get to that point in the charts, but I realized I didn't buy that one. I bought the single for uh, Please Forgive Me. Uh, so, you're welcome, Brian. <laughs> no. Anyway, so we're done? I mean, yeah, we're I, think, done. Uh, I think we're done with Pure Moods. We'll reveal the next comp soon. It's going to be fun, and we're going to take it on like one disc at a time with other stuff in between. Uh, but for now, let's roll some credits. What do you call this record with all these songs? This is comp. Yeah, yeah. This is comp. Yeah, yeah. This is comp. Yeah, yeah. This is. Thank you for listening to This Is Comp, part of the Discord and Rhyme podcast. Our opening theme is performed by the Hector Collectors, and you can find their music at thehectorcollectors.bandcamp.com. The closing theme is performed by Kenneth Crayley, and you can find his music at Kenneth Crayley, that's K-R-A-Y-L-I-E, dot bandcamp.com, and his band Casinos at casinos.bandcamp.com. Music for the theme was, against his will, originally composed by Andy Partridge of XTC, with new lyrics by Adam Smith of the Hector Collectors. Visit our website, discordpod.com, for more info about the show and a list of upcoming episodes. You can follow us on Twitter, at discordpod, follow me, at benjaminm1019, and rich, at zonetrope. Do you want to plug anything, Will? I, I am on disclaimer.bandcamp.com and I've just uploaded uh, a song that I recorded back in early college slash high school called Five Mile Hill which is mentioned in my upcoming blog post we do have a blog now on discordpod.com and it's great see you for the next comp and be ever wonderful <laughs> <laughs>